Hey everyone, it's Hamish from the Young Investors Podcast. Myself and Brandon are excited to bring you your weekly rundown of the latest business and investing news from around the world. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back. Hamish Hodder has turned Hello. his heater off and we are good to go for the yeah, we, uh, podcast. We had, a, we had a false start. I, as soon as we started, I just realized my ducted heating's on and uh, this room gets hot enough on its own with like the lights um, and everything. So yeah, if I'd left that heater on, I would have been, you would have just seen beads of sweat <laughs> just <laughs> slowly coming down my face throughout the podcast. So. As soon as I started, as soon as I started doing the intro to the podcast, Hamish was like, oh, no way, we've got to stop. I'm going to cook in here. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. And uh, like the, the heat is like right at my feet. So it just blows like, if I'm oh, sitting here, yeah. just blows hot air on me. So. Yeah. Can be yeah. good though, if you have an air vent right at your feet in the depths of winter keeps you nice and warm yeah i just i just wish it was you could control it a little bit more it's like there's no there's it's just on or off and on is for some reason this particular vent it's like i don't know it's piping hot it's blasting out hot air so yeah Yeah, i'm glad that's why i'm in a jumper and Hamish is always just in t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because the central heating, I, I wish there was kind of heating that I, I could heat specific rooms because I can only heat the whole mm-hmm. house because it's central heating. But upstairs yeah. just gets really, really hot, particularly this room yeah. because the sun rises across in, through this window as well. So it's like yeah. the sun and it just gets, just cooks me. And the hot here. air rising. Yeah. <laughs> so th- this room is always hot. It's never, it's never cold. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I'm glad you're toasty, but not too toasty over there. It's bloody yeah. cold over in Canberra. But anyway, that's uh, that's that's the weather. That's the latest in the weather report. How you been yeah. anyway? What you been up to? You been doing much? Yeah, going well. No, just uh, just as, as I said last week, eighty percent of the time I'm editing, so I'm uh, I'm in mm. editing mode at the moment, uh, putting yeah. out another video. I've been kind of experimenting with exploring outside of. Usually, I look at U.S. economics in my videos. And I've been exploring a little bit more of different countries. So I did one on Pakistan last week. And by yeah. the time this podcast comes out, there should be one that's out on Turkey. So um, oh, okay. I've Very just cool. been, it's been kind of interesting to explore uh, the similarities between the economic problems going on in different countries and then also the, the clear differences between different countries. So yeah, yep. um, that's yeah, what I've been Very cool. To. Very cool. And yeah. all the Indians are watching your your latest <laughs> video on um, on Pakistan. Yeah, that was really funny. I didn't actually expect that, but after yeah, after you you said it, and then I kind of thought about it. It makes sense because Pakistan's right yeah. next to India, uh, and used to be a part of India as well. Um, but yeah, about sixty percent of the viewership on that on that video is is from India, which is um, kind of surprising. It's definitely the first time that's happened. I've had you know most of my videos are like 35% or the biggest percentage is American. Um, and yep. then sometimes I'll have the biggest percentage will be Australian if it's a, an Australian topic. But yeah, I've never had mm-hmm. any other country. So yeah. There you go. Shout out to all the Indian Young Investors Podcast fans out there. Yeah, I exactly. Know we've got a we've, few. Yeah, and we've got more now. They've all, <laughs> yeah, now they've yeah, all, exactly they've all right. come you're, over. You're bringing in the, yeah. you're doing the, what is it? The Disney strategy or the Netflix strategy? Target India. Mm, yeah. Is that Zuck? <laughs> I can't remember. Maybe that was Zuck. Someone said it. I think it's anyway. pretty much everybody at the moment. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, hey, Ray Dalio's in the news. We're going to talk about is that he? today. He's back. Yep, he is in the news. Yeah, I'm making a video on him at the moment. <laughs> he got some very interesting comments as well out of uh, such a Nadella from Microsoft mm. um, around the uh, whole Microsoft acquisition of um, what should we call it, Activision, Activision. Blizzard. Yep. Um, so that that's what I'll be talking about today. What are you talking about? I haven't actually I haven't had a look at what you've put here. Uh, we have Australian inflation data for Ooh, the goody. month of May. So we've got some, we've got some more numbers to look at. Don't you just love Woo. looking at percentages? Uh, well, I, I know I do. Uh, so we're going to talk about it. And uh, we'll also talk about corporate bankruptcies in the US. And uh, if we get to it, I want to talk about uh, a potential gambling uh, advertisement ban in uh, Australia. So... Yeah, we've got lots, uh, go. lots and lots to talk about. And hey, we've uh, we've we've got a new sponsor. Breaking news: We have a new sponsor. That's that's the most important part of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us about it, Hamish. Tell us about it. Yeah. How about you? How about you do this ad read? Come on, how about I, no? How about how about? Come on, pull pull your weight. I do every pull ad my read. Weight. Every ad read. I do all the deals. Okay. I do. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, you, you are? Okay, good. Because I have not read the ad read. <laughs> I was just going to be reading it blind. No, I'm just joking. Today's episode okay. is brought to you by Seeking Alpha, your one-stop shop for stock analysis, market data, and news. Access expert analysis and news for thousands of stocks. View buy, hold, and sell ratings from members, Wall Street analysts, and Seeking Alpha's own algorithm. Uh, screen for stocks using a variety of fundamental and technical analysis metrics. Access up to 10 years of financial data and company filings. Uh, and manage your portfolio by tracking your investments with price alerts so you never miss a buying opportunity again. Check the link in the description, in the episode description, or head directly to seekingalpha.me forward slash young investors to try Seeking Alpha for free for 14 days and then 239 annually. So go check it out. Yeah. Uh, we've had uh, Seeking Alpha as a sponsor on the podcast before. And um, yeah, go check them out. Yeah, excited to be partnering with them more long term as well. Um, yeah, for those that don't remember, they were the ones that took us, helped take us over to America for the Berkshire meeting. For those three, I think it was three podcasts while we we're over in the states, they were the yep. they were the sponsor there. Um, yeah, always love working with Seeking Alpha. They've been very generous, very. Um, they're very enabling. They they want to help us do new things, which is really cool. It's always good to have a sponsor like that. So, yep. yeah, we're happy to have them on board. Yeah, absolutely. If, um, you, uh, if you want to go deep on companies, there is so much analysis on there. Um, you'll yeah. never go through all of it. So I know it sounds sus now because we're sponsored by them, but I probably use Seeking Alpha more than anything else. Um, any other kind of platform for my own investing. It actually is quite handy. And I'm not just yeah. saying that because they're sponsoring it. It actually <laughs> is quite handy because you do you get you do get all the news you also get the 10 years of financial data which is always helpful not that you can't get that elsewhere but um no it is it's surprisingly useful anyway mm, um, do i sound like a shill when i yeah, say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try it you'll like it so <laughs> try it today forward slash young investors all right um Where hey can begin? i talk about ray dalio yeah yeah what's uh what's he been what's he been saying has he been speaking coherently He's... because the last interview he did he was making absolutely no sense so, oh um, my gosh, he's so <laughs> he's so like I I don't he just knows macroeconomics at such a detailed level yeah. that sometimes when he explains things he kind of just brushes over bits that to him seem like assumed knowledge but to the rest of us definitely are not assumed knowledge. So sometimes when he's like explaining things it can just get so complicated so quickly because he just leaves half the stuff out. 
He'll just be like, oh, oh, okay, okay. So then you have this problem with this specific thing about this specific macroeconomic. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. How do we just jump from <laughs> from having you know dollar bills stacked up to now we're talking about Zimbabwe hyperinflation? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. and, and, um, and to, to be fair on Ray Dalio, he's he's limited by the constraints of CNBC's like four true. questions that they get in in like a five minute interview. True. His stuff, like the the uh, economic machine video that I think is a thirty minute video explaining how the economy that's works. A that's a that is g- great. I, I use I always use his graphics in my videos because they're just perfect when you're talking about macroeconomic issues and interest rates and it helps you really understand those yeah. issues so to get we'll give we'll give him some credit that he does have good stuff yeah. but unfortunately uh cable tv is like what's going on in the economy where's the stock market going all right next so yeah yeah you kind of get that's that. true he always gets interrupted always without fail it, it, yeah it, it's got a, it's so annoying it's so annoying when he's being interviewed by like four or five different uh hosts on cnbc and they all they all want to get their questions in and it just mm. it's it, yeah it's just rushed it's not it's not it's exactly a, a good format for that the way he talks is like, okay, so I'll break it down. There are three main forces at play here. So force number one is geopolitical tension. And then he will say like two sentences on the first point, And then they'll be like, oh, so another question about China, China, blah, 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 blah. So what are your thoughts on Bitcoin? Yeah, or something like that. Actually, though, just soundbite hunting. But yeah, so unfortunately, never he never gets the opportunity really to explain his thoughts Entirely, but yeah. um, he got through a fair bit. He did. Uh, I, I've listened to one he did with CNBC and one he did with Bloomberg, and um, he was talking about the U.S. debt situation. And I thought it was quite interesting because he genuinely does think that this could turn into a bit of a crisis, like a full-blown debt crisis. Yeah. Uh, for context, the U.S. now sits at thirty-two trillion dollars worth of national debt. How's that? That's <laughs> quite <Not> bad. <laughs> it's quite, quite, quite some number, quite yeah. some number. Um, but it's interesting. Um, there was, there was really, I guess, two key points to his argument as to why this is going to be a real pickle. And the first, as you might imagine, is surrounding uh, debt servicing payments. So obviously back in 2020, when the government, the US government issued bonds, it was it was pretty easy, low interest rates, the Federal Reserve was just lapping them up. And uh, now that the debt ceiling has been suspended, um, they're obviously doing the same thing. They're still trying to sell more bonds, but this time it's now at a much higher interest rate, um, which means obviously now their debt servicing costs, the interest that they have to pay to the people that are buying those bonds is going to be a lot higher. So Ray's point is that he's pretty worried that the US won't be able to grow their economy well enough um, and in in this next few years, and essentially the debt servicing costs will basically just eat into the total pool of money that the US has to spend. Yeah. So yeah, do you have any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly a, a, if you look at kind of how their debt has trended, and then you know where interest rates are now, then yeah, it certainly looks like that's going to be an issue because you're right. I mean, just even if they weren't increasing the debt. Just the fact that interest rates have risen, of course, increases the percentage of you know uh, government revenue that goes towards servicing those payments. But debt is still rising. I mean, they're still running a massive multi-trillion dollar deficit. So it's not just that interest rates have gone up. It's that interest rates have gone up and that's amplified the problem. 
but the underlying issue is still there, which is the government's appetite for taking on and, and using an enormous amount of debt has been really excessive, especially in the last couple of years when you include kind of mm. COVID relief and that sort of thing where, you know, you're not talking about just one or two trillion a year. Now you're talking about five, six trillion a year and actually very significant increases to the debt load. So, um, yeah. It is interesting, and not not to kind of harp on <laughs> Pakistan this whole this whole podcast because it's all in my no, head. No, please but do. It was interesting looking at their situation because uh, some of these countries are in you know much worse situations, and Pakistan actually their entire government revenue goes towards their debt service payments. So they're in wow. the very extreme end of the situation where uh, you know all of the tax revenue comes in. All of it goes to paying debt and then they have to pay for defense and, you know, healthcare and, and government staff and all of that stuff. Mm, and all yeah. of that is just new debt. So that's obviously the very end of the extreme, but you can see it can be taken to extremes, you know, in, in desperate situations. Yeah, that's crazy. That, that is that is actually, imagine just having no money after you've paid your debts. It's like, yeah. well, now we've, we've got, oh, sorry, that road needs repairing, that bridge fell down. Oh, uh can't do it we got no money yeah. Uh, so yeah anyway that's 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 ray dalio's first point he is worried about uh debt service payments um but then on top of that the second thing he's concerned about is the supply demand equation for u.s treasuries so he noted that um many countries feel right now that they actually hold too many u.s treasuries and they're quite simply not as eager to buy them as what they once were. For example, uh, China's share of ownership of the US Treasury pool has uh, has been declining over recent times. So there are definitely countries that are kind of uh, satisfied with, uh, I don't know if satisfied is the right word, <laughs> with, with the amount of US debt they've got and, and, and their appetite is, um, is reducing. But Ray's concern is that if the government needs to sell a lot of bonds, but the demand is weak... Um, they'll either need to raise interest rates so that they uh, so that that debt becomes more enticing for for investors to go out and buy, or alternatively, as we've seen the past couple of years, who becomes the buyer? The Federal Reserve, yep. and that essentially means more money printing, and it gives us the same situation that we've already had for the yep. last couple of years. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the, a really good kind of isolated example of that situation was COVID. Uh, the government very quickly needed a bunch of debt and they couldn't afford to offer higher interest rates on that debt. You know, it's one way to kind of look at it. So the Fed mm. just stepped in and, and basically bought all of the debt at low interest rates. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that's the tough balance that the US could potentially face is that uh, they might need to offer higher interest rates for the amount of debt that they need. Uh, but then they can't handle that because then the debt payments are too high. So then it's yeah. the Fed, does the Fed bail out the government and that creates inflation or does the government have to cut back its spending? And that's the muddly kind of situation um, that mm. they could find themselves in. So you can start to see how these two issues are kind of, they work, Link. they kind of snowball each other. They're linked. Yeah, exactly right. Um, there was another thing on, on this topic as well. Ray also made the point that uh, many countries are trending away from the dollar as they themselves fear US, uh, U.S. sanctions around what's been going on with the Russia-Ukraine war. So um, other countries don't want to get stuck uh, being reliant on the U.S. Uh, when America was so easily able to basically block Russia out of all U.S. dollar transactions last year. Mm. So he said that that was another factor. Um, some countries are trending away from using U.S. dollars 
um, to make themselves a little bit more sanction-proof, I guess, minimizing the risk if there were sanctions thrown their way from yeah. from the US. So, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know too much about that. I, I don't know the, the the ins and outs of of that kind of stuff. But it was interesting, and it kind of makes sense. Ray Dalio still brought it up as a as an important point. Yeah, and I mean, just just the US having the re- world's reserve currency gives them so much control over the world's yeah. financial system, uh, yeah. directly and indirectly. Um, so it is uh, it, it, when there is instability, um, and this you know this is Dalio's big thing recently on uh, the changing world order. This is something that happens even less frequently than these kind of big debt cycles. But there, if you look back far enough, you see these cycles of different countries or different empires having the world's reserve currency and how those have, those rise and fall. And that's kind of been his his whole kind of campaign recently. And like the economic machine, he has a, a video explaining, you know, the last couple thousand years of, of the changing world order and the change in, in the world reserve currencies and what threatens them and that sort of thing. So super interesting if, um, mm. um, if you want to check that out. Yeah, but that's pretty much all I had to say. There, there are his main two points. Either the US will <clears throat> struggle with the debt servicing costs and um, and need to, you know, essentially just take on more debt to help out, or that the demand will wane and the supply will rise for US treasuries and thus the Fed will have to be a buyer once again, which is exactly what just happened. And it didn't work out so well, but mm. there we go. Yeah, so yeah. Um, interesting. It's, it's obviously not a topic that I'm... Uh, a genius at, but I, f- I found it interesting actually watching those couple of things, uh, those couple of interviews. It did make a lot of sense. And um, yeah, it's kind of scary that it makes so much sense that this is trending towards a really big problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of worried me a little bit anyway. Yeah, it, it is It is interesting because, yeah, I mean, I, I don't actually know of that many people talking about this stuff except on a big scale, except for Dalio. Yeah. Uh, Dalio's obviously been the lead advocate on on the fact that he believes the U.S. is is has a very strong chance of losing its um it, it's uh, being the superpower of the world, um, yep. so yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess I, I don't know. I never kind of listen to Ray Dalio's predictions and go, okay, that's what's going to happen, uh, because he has been wrong before. But I like uh, hearing his explanations for how these mechanisms generally work or have worked in the past, because it is um it's quite fascinating. Mm. All right, moving on. Right. Let's bring it back. What you got? Let's bring it back to Australia and let's talk about Ooh, okay. the Australian inflation data, which uh, is still getting better, kind of, sort of. Nice. A little bit. You're going to get riled up here, of. Hamish. No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I'm going to stay completely calm. No, you're not. I'm going to stay completely calm. Okay. No, you're not. <sighs> no, you're not. God damn. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the monthly. <laughs> The, uh, you know, like the, that seagull meme? You know the seagull meme with the laser eyes when the when oh, he yeah, tilts yeah, head yeah, back yeah. and goes, Rah! yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's me every every thirty days when You've I see the headlines. You've got your head tilted back right now, and you're ready to go, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so the monthly CPI indicator rose five point six percent in the twelve months to May uh, in Australia, which is a pretty dramatic slowdown from the six point eight percent recorded uh, last month. Uh, although, again, as we kind of spoke about last month uh, and, and as, as we've been talking about in the US, uh, almost all of the declines are being driven by kind of one category, which is energy and specifically in energy, automotive fuel uh, and, and gasoline. Uh, so <laughs> automotive fuel is down 8% year over year. Um, 
But besides that, that's pretty much it. Uh, out of all of the categories, there was only one other uh, category that was down, which was clothing and footwear, was down uh, 0.4%. <laughs> um, so if you want to go buy some shoes... <laughs> Thank God shoes are cheaper. They're a little bit oh, cheaper than last year. I was sweating year. on that one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. With all of the, with my fashion taste. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody knows. I, this is the first time I've worn this Navy, this Navy t-shirt. And I definitely don't have 10 of these in my cupboard that I cycle through. I <laughs> uh, love it. So, um, but uh, <laughs> everything else besides clothing, footwear and, and automotive fuel was up a lot. So uh, while the headline number I think looks quite nice, unfortunately, if you look into some of the details, it's uh it's uh, it, it's not great. Uh, so food and non-alcoholic beverage uh, was up 7.9% year over year. Housing was up 8.4% year over year. And within housing, rent was up 6.4%. Uh, new dwellings was up 8.3%. And electricity was up 14.1%. Uh, so it's not just all of uh, energy that's, uh, that's, that's going down. It's kind of just automotive fuel. Uh, insurance was up 7.8%, uh, holiday travel was up 7.8%, and the worst individual uh, item was dairy, which was up 15.1%. Um, yeah, crazy. So, you know. <laughs> Some big rises in there, eh? Yeah, I mean, certainly once you start looking at the individual items, it doesn't look as good as that 5.6% headline number. I mean, if you do it a lot of driving... Um, Sure, like it, it, things have been improving for you. Yeah. Um, but regardless, but yeah. if you're doing other things like living in a house, yeah, yeah. whoever <laughs> does that, turning on the lights, buying food, <laughs> non-alcoholic <laughs> beverages. Do people drink those? Um, no, but it, it is a, it is interesting, and it, it's a, it's a similar situation to the US, where now. Because fuel has been coming down so much, the headline the headline inflation number is actually below the core inflation number. Um, right. So again, yep. core inflation is being much more resilient. So once you strip out the volatile stuff like uh, oil, uh, oil and volatile food and travel, uh, Australian inflation was six point four percent for the month, which is only slightly down from six point five percent. So again, same story as the US, same story as the past couple of months. Yep. Uh, core inflation is proving to be a lot stickier. Um, but the, and then kind of oil prices are just kind of making everything look overall uh, a lot cheaper. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's interesting because last year, a big part of why food and travel prices rose so much in the first place was because of the fuel price increases. So fuel was going up and that was kind of driving up everything else as well. So now that fuel's coming down, the big question is kind of, will food and travel also come down over time? Yeah. Uh, will it kind of follow trend in the same way that it rose? That's yet to be yep. seen um, so far. And unfortunately, if consumers just continue to buy, at the, if they just fill the demand, then there's really no reason for, you know, let's say shopping center or, or supermarkets like Woolworths and Coles, there's no reason for them to lower prices if consumers are just filling the demand, which seems to yeah. be what's happening. And that's what inflation is, all right? If there's yeah. more demand chasing the supply, then they can ri- raise prices and it's 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 sustainable. So that's kind of what- Supply what's, and demand. Supply and- <laughs> Yeah, it's the second uh, supply and demand Sell me this pen. <laughs> um, Why don't you go write your name down on that napkin over there? You can't need a pen. Exactly. Supply and demand. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. 
Great quote. I love that great movie. movie. I haven't yeah, watched that movie in a while. I have to Sorry. watch it again. I th- totally threw But yes, straight. you're right. Supply and demand. You're right. Supply and demand. There's lots of demand. S- full and stop. And there's not much All supply. Right. So Next question. Inflation. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's... <laughs> So that's uh, that's basically it. We've got a rate decision. Uh, the RBA will be making a, a, a tough rate decision on Tuesday because uh, every headline under the moon is saying that uh, they don't need to raise because inflation is under control now. So uh, there'll be a lot of pressure uh, on them to not raise. So we'll see. I actually don't know what will happen. Again, for maybe the fourth month in a row, markets are very confident there will be no rate hike. Um, they might be correct this time. Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely not sure. Um, I have no idea. Guess we'll find out. We will. We will find out next week and we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, thank you for that. Um, where should we go? Oh, I want to talk about Sasha Nadella's comments. Do you see this? Uh, no, I didn't. What has he said? It's classic, Hamish. Microsoft see so background. Not that we need any background at this point, but Microsoft is trying to acquire uh, Activision Blizzard. That's being blocked um, by the FTC because they're worried. The FTC is saying that if Microsoft keeps buying all these gaming companies, they're going to have a monopoly. And Microsoft is saying we don't have a monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and and so and so so the saga continues. Anyway, uh, such as convenient comments is what I've titled this. Uh, Microsoft CEO Sachin Nadella said Wednesday that he would like to eliminate exclusive arrangements between video games and popular gaming consoles. Right. Larger gaming rivals Nintendo and Sony often release exclusive titles on their devices as a way to lure customers in a competitive market. Microsoft employs the same strategy for Xbox. Um, though Nadella said his company is a low share player in the console market. <clears throat> Regarding exclusive deals, Nadella said, I, I have no love for that world. Surprise, I would, surprise. I would never. Wow. I would absolutely never think about doing an exclusivity deal wow. and not allowing Call of Duty on place on playstation mm. i would never ever ever do that guys come on look at me look at me look me in the eye anyway also the company that has historically had the worst exclusive titles is just conveniently not interested in exclusive <laughs> titles it's like when you lose like lost the yeah. race and then suddenly the race is rigged like <laughs> uh true Nadella spoke at a hearing in federal court in San Francisco as the FTC seeks judicial support to prevent Microsoft from closing its $68.7 billion acquisition of video game publisher Activision Blizzard. The FTC is worried that the tie-up could allow Microsoft to withhold popular games in Activision's library from other consoles or degrade service for those games elsewhere. Microsoft has said it wants to add Activision games to its Game Pass subscription service. To quell regulator concerns, Microsoft has offered 10-year agreements to make Activision's popular Call of Duty titles titles available for Sony and Nintendo consoles. We want you guys to have this. We, we We really do. We really do. We are the good guys here. We love a nice competitive market. No. Um, yeah, of course, they, they're going to do this. The FTC is coming after them, so they're slowly being like, oh, but what if we did this? You, 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 would you like us then? Mm. But what if we did that too? Would you like us then? <laughs> um, and now they've even got the CEO to come out and say, hey, 
I don't want to be a monopoly, even though I do. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, Microsoft hasn't accepted... So, uh, sorry. Sony hasn't accepted Microsoft's offer and is opposed to its acquisition of Activision. Surprise, surprise. I believe that this transaction is bad for competition, Jim Ryan, head of Sony Interactive Entertainment, said in a video deposition that was played in court on Tuesday. Um, Nadella, yeah, I guess they do raise a bit of a point. Nadella's view on consoles reflects his broader approach to technology platforms. Since becoming CEO in 2014, he's changed the culture at the company, long known for proprietary closed systems, attempting to ensure that its software can work well on multiple devices, not just its own hardware. Microsoft spokesperson said Nadella's comments on Wednesday, quote, made it abundantly clear that Microsoft will honor its commitments to its partners and the gaming community to bring more games to more players. Any thoughts on that, Hamish? Um, all fluff? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, all fluff. I, I, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I haven't followed this super closely. Um, and it, it seems it ju- like fluff. It does seem like very classic, you know, last-ditch effort. Please, you know, yeah, like you said, kind of how many things can we kind of throw out there to potentially uh, win over the FTC? Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, it doesn't look, doesn't look good for them um, for this acquisition. It's been pending for a very, very long time now, so... A little bit too long, yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't check. I should have checked what the um, what the stock price is at currently. I will have a look. What 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 what's the market? What's the market cap on um, Activision? On Activision Blizzard, because they want Microsoft wants to buy it for sixty eight point seven billion. What's the market cap? It on is it now, now uh, sixty five point seven billion. So there's actually not oh. much. The spread is closed. Uh, yeah, it's actually closed a lot. So in April, it fell about fifteen percent in a couple in a week. Uh, but mm. then since then, it's up ten uh, percent. So it's just been rising slowly towards the, uh, the acquisition price, which Very is not you would expect. But yeah, I may, maybe I'm missing something because I haven't been covering, I haven't been looking at this closely. But all I've heard is that it's just bad news across the board. Mm. But mm. yeah. Um, what else have I got here? Activision CEO Bobby Kodak is skeptical of multi-game subscription services in general. He said in court on Wednesday that his company has experimented with them, including working with NVIDIA's GeForce now while it was in its testing phase. Kodak, whose company is based in Santa Monica, California, just in case you wanted to know that, (laughs) said he still wants to get the deal done with Microsoft, even if he holds a differing opinion on subscriptions and whether they present a big opportunity. Yeah, interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, da, 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 Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley will decide if the FTC will receive a preliminary injunction that would stop Microsoft from closing the deal. Meanwhile, in the UK, the Competition and Markets Authority moved to block the transaction in April. Yeah, there you go. That's that's all. That's pretty much it. Yeah, so, that, that is it is strange that the stocks the stock is so trading so close to the to the acquisition price mm, because yeah. um, maybe there's some insider information that's <laughs> I think there's. People out there that know more than us, Hamish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's true. Yeah, I I I struggle to believe it personally, but I guess we do have to keep it open as an option. Hmm. There might be someone out there that knows more than us. <laughs> maybe, maybe one. Maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah. Max two. Yeah, Max yeah, two. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where to, Hamish? Where uh, to? Let's talk about uh, corporate bankruptcies in the US. They're actually on the rise a lot. The, the, over the right. past year, um, there's been a sharp uh, increase in uh, 
in in the, the number of companies that are defaulting as a result, essentially of uh, well, I guess in part because of the sharp U.S. interest rate increases that have kind of been yeah. happening over the past year. Can I um, can I just say? Um I, I I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I am shocked. What you mean to tell me? <laughs> Increasing corporate bankruptcies over the last what? Yeah. So yeah, this is this is an absolute shock to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> the the um, most anticipated piece of news all year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote this at the start of the year. I've been I've been waiting to pull this out. Um, <laughs> But, uh, it's like it's like um, it's like when um, when we were shocked that what was it, the RBA raises rates. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. Shocker, we're shocker. Like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Shock, mate. horror, unbelievable. Um, but of course, yeah. Particularly when it comes to uh, unprofitable, struggling companies, uh, you know, if you go through a significant uh, rate hike uh, series as the US has over the past year, then uh, the cost to service those payments goes up and up and up, and then. Uh, it gets very difficult for them to refinance. So, um, it, you know, it makes perfect sense that this is what we're seeing. When we're talking about corporate bankruptcies, we're referring to uh, public or private companies that have at least $2 million in public debt. Uh, so they kind of sell bonds to the market, uh, but also private companies that have at least $10 million in assets or liabilities. So um, this isn't uh, every corporation this isn't kind of looking at bankruptcies across all corporations in the US, just kind of um, the, the small upper percentage. Uh, and this data is coming from uh, S&P Global's market intelligence. Uh, this year so far, there's been 236 companies that have filed for bankruptcy uh, compared to 109 in the same period last year. So um, more than a 100% increase in yeah. uh, the number of bankruptcies uh, filed. And it's actually the highest number of annual bankruptcies uh, in that period since 2010. So um, they're, uh, they're, they're certainly um, getting up yeah. there. The largest ones uh, the largest ones include some names that uh, we've spoken about over the past couple of years. <laughs> exactly. Say, say, say a quiet prayer. So we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a minute of silence for, uh, for, these, um, <laughs> for these corporations. <laughs> wow. Way to, way to go for retention there, Hamish. <laughs> a minute of silence. All right. <laughs> I almost want to do it now just to look at the retention graph. <laughs> just fall off a cliff. Oh, I don't know. No, I don't hate myself that much. We Sorry. Won't do that. Continue with your list. Yes. So we have uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, um, sadly, uh, no longer with us. SVB Financial Group, which of course was uh, Silicon Valley. We um, we all know what happened to them. And uh, Diamond Sports Group was the other big one, which oh, is okay. a, a yeah. What do they do? Regional Sports Cable Network. Yeah, who cares? Um, yeah. <laughs> who cares about that? But Bed Beyond, very sad. Um, very very sad. Um, so but, maybe uh, too. Wasn't that one of the meme stocks? Yeah. So yeah, Bed Bath and Beyond was that one that. Yeah, I mean, it's been on the verge of bankruptcy for a while. So they have a huge amount of kind of brick and mortar uh, stores, and they've they sell quite gen- generic. Um, products so they've really been one of those retailers that have been hurt by uh amazon and just online retailing in general Mm. and in the last kind of year of their uh before they went bankrupt they were trying to go into more um home brand private label stuff to kind of differentiate away from from just the generic brands that people could just buy cheaper online um but they uh, unfortunately weren't able to do it but i think um are you looking at the stock chart for yeah, Bath and Beyond. Is this the one that had that massive spike 
at some yeah. point. Yeah. So I think yep. August r- 2022, stock yeah. went from $4.80 up to $23. Yeah. So they had, um, yeah, it, it went through one of those hysterias where a company right near bankruptcy suddenly gets a huge stock price and um, they took that opportunity to sell a bunch of stock at a really high price, so they got some yeah. they got some capital out of it. But um, but uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't enough, unfortunately. There wasn't to be. Yeah, I don't understand. Does shares still trade? It looks like they're still trading. Thirty four cents. Uh, I don't know. Actually, yeah, it's weird. I, I'm not quite sure about that. Um, but yeah, it was twenty three dollars, and now it's. Thirty-four cents. Wow! Great return. <laughs> great, great, great return. What is that exactly? That is ninety-eight point five percent loss. Yeah, soon to be a hundred. Buffett's rule. Yeah, what's Buffett's rule number one again? Um, uh, don't lose more than ninety-nine point nine percent. So I think it's good. Oh, I think it's fine. Okay, yeah. so we're all good. We're all good. Okay, yeah. phew. Thank goodness. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, crazy. But yeah, I mean, the thing, is, the, the the story here is, I mean, with these three and then generally with kind of all of these bankruptcies is uh, all of these businesses had enormous debt loads that they couldn't handle, but that wasn't like the the, the core problem that that uh, led to them needing to use excessive amounts of debt. So for Bed Bath & Beyond, it was, it's kind of Amazon, uh, you know, SVB, uh, of course, had their kind of mismanagement of client assets, essentially loading up too much on these long-term treasuries. Uh, and then Diamond Sports is a is a uh, regional cable um, network, so they've just kind of suffered the first part of the accelerating cable cutting um, that's kind of been going across the US. So, um, yeah, again, not surprising. Um, in terms of which industries are getting hit the hardest, again, it's not surprising. The biggest category was consumer discretionary, which was 13% of the filings. So non-essential consumer products <laughs> makes perfect sense that those would be the first to go. Um, yeah. And then that's followed by uh, industrials, financials, healthcare, uh, all with double-digit filings. Uh, but there were filings across all industries. So uh, it's certainly not a problem that's unique to certain industries. Um, Nope, that does make sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, <clears throat> interesting. Yeah, I wonder. Um, I wonder what two thousand and twenty-four will hold. Oh, this is. Um, wait, was this? This, this was twenty two. Twenty-two. I wonder what. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. So this was the start of twenty twenty-three. So we can oh, see yeah. kind of how it progresses throughout the year. But so far, it's over a hundred, a hundred percent increase in, uh, in in bankruptcies <laughs> this year. So ay ay ay. And sh- uh, I would say almost a 100% decrease in IPOs, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like the interest rates and market conditions. And mm. there's, so, there's some sort of, I don't know. I don't know. There's Maybe something I'm, going on it there. It looks yeah. like there's some sort of, yeah, some sort of link, mm. some sort of correlation, mm. some would say. Um, <laughs> correlation does not equal causation, Brandon. You just got that etched into my brain. I never yeah. say... Never say something is caused by something else anymore, just because I've always got that etched into my brain. Correlation <laughs> does not equal causation. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, very interesting. Not surprising at all. All right. Yep. Um, <laughs> you want to hear something real real funny? <laughs> yeah. German e-reads. This is thanks to um, uh, the Daily Upside, too. I was just having a browse on what was going on in the Daily Upside. This is this one kind of caught my eye. German e-retailer launches legal fight against big tech classification. 
So it starts by saying, no one wants to be tarred with the Zuck brush. Uh, (laughs) Zalando, a German fashion e-retailer, is taking the EU to court after it was classified as a very large online platform for the purposes of the bloc's upcoming Digital Services Act. Mm. It's kind of funny that, you know, most people would be like, oh, we just got classified as a very large online platform, guys. That is so <laughs> cool. And these guys are like, please don't. Do not call, please. I mean, it depend, <laughs> depends who's doing the classifying. If it's the government, yeah. it's always never a good thing. <laughs> exactly right. Hey, Mishota. Um, Zala, Zalando doesn't want to be lumped in with the dastardly likes of Amazon, Google, Meta, and Apple. This is why I like the Daily Upside. Just the, yeah. their wording is fantastic. Um, Apple, and most importantly, it doesn't want to be regulated like them. Mm. Uh, Regulators love to say they're reigning in big tech, but what does that term actually mean? Culturally, big tech has been shorthand for a handful of unfathomably rich US companies with nebulous but overlapping business models. Common symptoms include algorithms, (laughs) data collection, and congressional hearings. (laughs) But a simple list of those companies hardly comprises a future-proof legislative framework. Plus, it can raise uh, hackles from the US government over unfair persecution of its wildly successful tech firms. The uh, DSA, the Digital Services Act, which will come into force in August, will regulate huge swaths of the online world, from disinformation to consumer rights to algorithmic transparency. It will apply most stringently to companies that qualify as you guessed it, very large online platforms, mm. uh, which it defines as any platform with more than 45 million monthly visitors, much to Zalando's dismay because Zalando is arguing that the EU shouldn't be looking at the visitors to its site, which number around 83 million per month, but rather look at those who actually buy things from third-party vendors on their site, which is closer to 31 million ones, obviously. Over the number, one's obviously under the number. Um, To put those numbers into context, Amazon said in March 2022 it has over 300 million active customer accounts. Um, so very interesting that they uh, they're trying to say, look, we're not we're not as big as you think, we're not as powerful as you think. Please don't regulate us like the others. Yeah, um, by getting them to hopefully use a different number for them, the number of actual customers as opposed to the number of visitors to the site. Yeah, it's kind of a weird uh, classification because all of those like, j- just doing it by your monthly viewers is is collecting a very broad number of online platforms. I mean, Zolano, what, what is it? Zolano? Uh, yeah, Zolando. Um, yeah, they're a, they're an online retailer. Like they sell clothing, I think, mostly. So it's completely mm. different business to, you know, social media platforms, for example. So it's a very broad yep. definition. Um, yeah. Seems for sure. strange. Yeah. I guess they want the power to regulate everybody, Hamish. Yeah. So they'll keep their definitions as loose as possible. Yeah, interesting. That's mm. well, that's what I would imagine anyway. I don't really know. But anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. How often do you hear big companies try and talk down their achievement? It's kind of like exactly what's happened with this Microsoft thing. <laughs> yeah. With Activision Blizzard. No, we're we're not we don't have a no, we're not a very good company. Xbox sucks compared to PlayStation. Yeah. We suck. We can't make videos to save video games to save our life. <laughs> yeah. Companies companies like that talk up their their presence up until the point of monopoly. And then it's and then yeah. and then it's and then all of like, a sudden no, 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 it's no no no, 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 there's heaps of competition. Yeah. <laughs> but in every other marketing piece, it's their number one, we're the only one, and that sort of thing. And then yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who was it? I think Monish Prabhai said a way to tell if a company has a moat is whether they argue that they don't have a moat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, they're yeah. arguing they're not, a, they're not a monopoly. They're probably a monopoly. <laughs> they, they're a monopoly. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was fun. Um, what else we got, Hamish? Let's uh, let's talk about this gambling ad ban in Australia because yeah, uh, I've seen something about this. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, this just kind of unfolded over the last week, and um, yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting story because it does potentially have some uh, very significant consequences for live sports in Australia and 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 a, and a bunch of things, and it really did kind of um, uh, yeah, it's a story that's kind of evolved, and we've now got over the past few days responses from. Um, you know, all different parties kind of involved. So there's um, there's kind of quite a lot to go through. But uh, gambling adverti- advertisements could be forbidden in Australia within three years as the Albanese government mulls recommendations of a report following the parliamentary inquiry into online gambling harm. Uh, one of the recommendations from the inquiry was to phase out gambling advertising over three years. Uh, the recommended ban would apply across television, radio, newspapers and online. So, Jeez, um, everything. Full yeah. Stop. Um, yeah. So they've done, kind of done this inquiry into uh, potential harm of, of, of gambling advertising, and uh, and this was just kind of one part of the inquiry. It was an inquiry a bunch uh, across um, a bunch of different categories of potential harmful advertising and that sort of thing. Um, and this was kind of just one of them, but this ca- kind of caught the spotlight um, yeah. because I think Australia is we have the biggest gambling losses out of any country in the world per capita or some, something insane like that. So mm. uh, it, it's certainly, you know, alongside, I guess, like alcohol. Well, is sports betting, sorry, is sports betting even a thing over in the States? Uh, Not as much, I think right? so. I think, so. I, I think it's only, I think it was banned for a while and then now right. I think it's starting to become less banned, I think. I'm not sure. Please I think let it, us know. Yeah, please yeah. let us know. Yeah, like I, just from wherever you are around the world, what are what are the kind of rules around sports betting um, in your country? Because we can just bet on anything, pretty much. <laughs> just like log in to your, you know, betting account whenever you want. Yeah. Bet on basketball, bet on AFL, cricket, whatever, soccer. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure Maltese. the US has sports betting. They they I'd be extremely surprised if they they. I didn't. just remember. I no, I just remember there was something about. Maybe it was how they I think how they promote it or the advertise. Maybe it was even around the advertising. There's something different about the states and yeah, how they yeah. treat gambling. It's like a lot looser in Australia. Yeah, maybe like, it was. Yeah, uh, there, yeah, there was some type of gambling that was banned. I can't remember what it was. Whether remember, it was like yeah. online casino gambling potentially was maybe banned or something like that. But maybe, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not exactly anyway, sure. Sorry, but, yeah, um, I'm not I'm not too sure. Yeah, in Australia, so it's it's pretty much free for all. And then certainly over the past <laughs> over the past like decade or so, you've. Um, You've seen this uh, kind of rise of these online platforms like Sportsbed and Ladbrokes, and uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of hard not to see their advertising everywhere. Um, I think everyone would mm-hmm. agree they're kind of it's plastered everywhere. Um, especially, I don't know, I don't know about you. I think they just target, especially online. I think they just target like our like men and in our age group because almost yeah. I don't, I never go on gambling websites and every second ad is Sportsbed. Like it's so, yeah. it's so strange. Like the, the amount of advertising, it seems that way at least like the amount of advertising these companies are doing is, is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the committee also recommended the government implement a comprehensive national strategy on gambling harm reduction, uh, create an online gambling uh, ombudsman, uh, impose new harm reduction levies and improve its data collection. 
Uh, the committee chair, Peter Murphy, uh, said the timeline for ad bans would quote, give major sports and broadcasters time to find alternative advertisers and sponsors while preventing another generation from experiencing escalating uh, gambling harm. Uh, she went on to say gambling advertising and simulated uh, gambling through video games is grooming children and young people to gamble and encourages riskier behavior. The torrent of advertising is inescapable and is manipulating an impressionable and vulnerable audience to gamble online. So... That is the one thing I wouldn't mind seeing eliminated is the 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 preconditioning of children in video games to gambling. Yeah. The whole like just like loot boxes, yeah. have a free spin and you might yeah. get a prize. Like that kind of I know that you like if if it's you know if it's free they're not actually there's no money involved and it's just like oh but it, you killed five people this game in call of duty now you get a free spin for a loot box it's like it's still that it's that conditioning it's it's activating the same part of the brain i would imagine i don't think it matters that i don't think it matters to a to a like let's say a small child or something like i don't think it matters that you're not winning cash that you're not there's not a chance of making money something i think it's that you're winning something and that there's chance involved uh I think that's. I think those are the elements that are probably more important. Yeah. yeah. So it is. It is strange because that is something that nobody really talks about. It's like, the, especially in the last, I would say, five years, games have really ramped up their kind of uh, additional purchases in games, and yeah. then as a result of that, microtransactions, microtransactions, yeah. and then as a result of that, kind of these loot boxes where people can just basically yeah. play, uh, they play slots on on getting skins and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, actually, though, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, crazy. Uh, the gambling industry provides a large source of revenue for Australia's broadcast networks with a total of $310 million spent by the sector in 2022. So, um, no surprise, gambling's an enormous part of the, uh, particularly live sporting um, kind of space. I think, pro- pro- I don't know what the numbers are on alcohol, but I'm probably guessing between alcohol and gambling advertisers and sales of those things, I would guess they probably represent a very, very large part, if not the majority of uh, revenue that goes towards these kind of live sporting events. Um, we now have kind of responses uh, from from different sides. <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine what some of these uh, responses look like. So we have Bridget Fair, which is the CEO of Free TV, uh, which acts on behalf of all the free uh, channel uh, networks, so Channel 7, 9 and 10. Uh, said on Wednesday, the proposed ban was based on a flawed premise that the advertising market was some kind of magic pudding and warns that falls in ad revenue would result in less funding for Australian television content. Uh, She went on to say, these services are available to every Australian, no matter where they live or how much they earn uh, and are only possible because of advertising revenue. So basically arguing, especially kind of free TV um, that hosts a lot of the sport that everyone loves, um, a, a yep. large part of that is just ad- it's based on advertising revenue um, yep. Makes rather, sense. Than, rather than kind of having to pay for any kind of subscription. Uh, w- Responsible Wagering Australia, <laughs> which represents some of the country's biggest bookmakers, including Sportsbet, Attain and Ladbrokes. <laughs> I, lo- I just love how these um, <laughs> these lobbying groups just have the most ridiculous names. <laughs> like, yeah, it's responsible, like the opposite. Responsible Waging Australia. And like their whole business yeah. is to get money from you. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they essentially argued that uh, restricting 
uh, regulated wagering uh, provides uh, providers from uh, from advertising would only entice at risk uh, of gambling harm to uh, sorry would only entice those at risk of gambling harm to seek out unregulated bookies who will not abide by the rules. So. I don't know the about classic that. Classic argument. I don't. I don't know about that. Uh, That's the legalized that, drugs argument. Yeah, but mm. yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that argument. That's it's a bit. Yeah. It's a bit flawed in my view. Uh, yeah. What if they don't advertise? People will go to unregulated. I don't think so. I mean, if if someone's thinking about gambling, I don't. I don't think blocking advertising is going to mean they'll go to an illegal bookie. They'll just go if they're thinking about <laughs> it. They'll just still go to sports bet. Um, yeah. It'll probably just reduce people who didn't think about gambling from, from going and doing it. Yeah. Uh, funnily, yep. funnily enough, Tab Corp, uh, which is not a member of RWA, uh, welcomed the proposal after previously joining advocates in support, supporting a total ban on gambling broadcast advertising. Uh, Tab Corp's chief said the report's release marked an important moment for the sustainability of waging of the wagering industry. Uh, reiterating a point mm. from the inquiry's hearing that a proliferation of gambling advertising is excessive, um, which I, th- I wonder how much Tab Corp advertises. <laughs> Probably not a not a lot compared to the others, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, I mean, Tab Corp's they've got to be the best response out of all of these because they've come out saying it's all about the kids and this is fantastic. But the truth is. <laughs> Uh, all of this advertising, a lot of it is being done by these new players on the block, Sportsbet and and Ladbrokes, and these companies that are just taking right. market share away from Tabcorp, which has kind of been the traditional, you know, offline um, yeah. you know, uh, gambling company, um, which has now kind of lost a lot of market share to 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 these online um, to these online betting companies. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty funny. They obviously just they care mm. about the children. They're 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 they for the children. Thank yeah. you, Tab. Yeah. Do you have Appreciate any, it. Do you have, do you have any thoughts? Any thoughts? Should, uh, it's all to be expected. Like, of course, Tab's going to say that when they're losing market share to the other ones that are advertising more and getting good success. Of course, yeah. the response, what was it? RWA is going to say, oh, no, let them do it. And if, if, like, it, it's, of course, this is all going to happen. It's just um, what actually happens. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But, um, I don't know if I have much to add on this except for just <clears throat> drifting into opinion territory, but I don't even have a strong opinion. The only thing I have a, a, a decent opinion on in, in this topic is, is what I was talking uh, about before, the kind of preconditioning of children to yeah. gambling-type behaviours. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it, but... Um, yeah, that's But prob- I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I don't know enough about... Like, obviously, people have mad gambling problems. I'm also, I tend to lean on the on the side, just generally, not in terms of gambling, but just generally of like, just let people do what they want to do. But I don't know, yeah. like, so if advertising is misleading, then fair enough. But if it's just straight advertising, then I don't see a huge problem with it. I mean, maybe that's just uh, because I'm basing my opinion off of my own personal circumstances that I watch sport all the time and never has a gambling advertisement made me want to gamble so but i can understand for other people it would be the opposite they might see these and they'd be like oh yeah you know oh two dollars for that multi oh i'll take that (laughs) you know that kind of thing yeah so I, i don't really know exactly where i fall i don't have a huge um a huge amount of data or evidence in my brain about it yeah but um 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what they kind of do decide to do and how it impacts things anyway. Yeah, I, I probably I'm, I probably agree with you. I don't really care all that much about gambling ads. The, the only interesting aspect of it is, yeah, just the fact that I guess if you're watching the footy with your kids, then, you know, all of the, like 90% of the ads are either going to be sports bet or some other gambling site or yep. an alcohol company. And yeah. that can't be... That can't be good. Like if, if a kid mm. is watching every, it, you know, every Friday and Saturday night, let's say, so like for multiple hours, they're seeing ad after ad after ad of both gambling and alcohol. Uh, mm. And then what's the other one in there? Like Uber Eats. <laughs> like, yeah, all, none of, like none of those are particularly good for, uh, you know, just drilling into a kid's mind. Um, so that that's one aspect of it. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, um, it is interesting. Um mm. Yeah. Yes, we'll see. Yep, very interesting. Um, but yeah, that is what's going down. All right, that will pretty much bring us to the end. Or oh, let's squeeze in one Q and A question. As always, if you have a question you'd like us to answer, just go to either the most recent episode on Spotify, and you can drop it in the questions box, or you can head over to the YouTube video, the most recent YouTube version of the podcast, and drop it down in the comments section below, and we will endeavour to answer it on the podcast. All right, Hamish. Um, what should uh, here we go this is an interesting one bit of a grim question here yeah it is a bit of a grim question actually <laughs> what do you think <laughs> happens to Berkshire Hathaway's stock the day that Warren Buffett dies and also he's allegedly advised his family to invest in the S&P 500 broadly after he passes away why do you think that is what do you, let's, ta- let's tackle the first bit okay. what do you reckon happens to Berkshire stock uh, when, when he I kicks think, the bucket I think it goes down probably a reasonable amount um, yeah. but it's not, you know, it is interesting because Berkshire's shareholders, um, they're different. They, they are different. Um, they yeah. certainly over time, I'm sure he's developed more shareholders that are not kind of his classic long-term shareholders who certainly probably won't even touch the stock and probably haven't mm-hmm. for decades and probably yeah. won't touch the stock even when this happens. But they, I think it's hard to not believe that there's probably quite a large percentage of investors who no longer want to be in Berkshire stock after Buffett's no longer there. Mm. So, so that there's probably a chunk, I think a, a loss of a long-term loss of some shareholders, but certainly on the day you would expect this may, maybe some temporary short-term loss as well. Um, yeah. but yeah, <clears throat> you, you never really know. Um, yeah, I think there would be some losses in the stock, um, around his, uh, his demise. Poor old Warren. I hate speaking about Warren like this, but I think the the thing that um, the thing that really makes stock prices move is when something very unexpected happens. So, what what was the one? What was the stock that you owned where the CEO passed away suddenly? Uh, Texas Roadhouse. Um, Texas Roadhouse. Yeah. What did that do to the stock? Moved it quite a bit. Was it like twenty uh, percent or something? Yeah, it was pretty significant. It was probably fifteen yeah. or twenty percent. Um, because yeah. yeah, well, it was it was unexpected. Um, it, no, nobody could yeah. could have seen that coming. No. The th- the thing about Berkshire Hathaway is that everybody sees this coming. They know that it's going to happen. That's There's true. no. They're just like it's just a question of when. I mean, he's ninety two, ninety three. Charlie's ninety nine, 
And every single year for about the past 25 years at their shareholder meetings, they've been asked, who's, who's, what's the succession plan? What, what are the steps you're going to take when one of you... And they talk very frankly about it too, Warren and Charlie. They're not, they're yeah. not shy. They're like, look, when we're not around anymore, when we eventually die, this is what will happen. You know, Greg Abel's going to be the CEO. Ted and Todd are going to run the, equi- the uh, investment side of things. Ajit's going to run insurance. It's going, that's going to continue. Um, so I don't think anyone, anyone's not, not like, it'll be, it'll definitely be sad. It'll be so, so sad, but, um, I don't think anyone's going to be taken off guard by it. So I don't think it'll cause a massive, uh, drop in the share price. There'll be some for sure, but yeah. Yeah. And and regardless, you know, the short term is completely irrelevant. Uh, you know, long term, the performance of the stock will reflect the performance of the businesses. And, you know, maybe you could argue that, that the performance of the businesses or the group of businesses they own could be affected by them not being around anymore. But, uh, but you know, that also might not be the case. Um, so, mm. you know, in the long run, it's not really uh, going to matter what happens on the day or, or yeah. the week that, you know, he passes away. Yeah, exactly. Um Allegedly advised his family to invest in the S and P five hundred broadly after he passes. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I, I had, I'm not, I can't actually remember exactly what he said on that topic, um, because I mm. believe, I, I'm actually not sure to be completely honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, Buffett's been an advocate for for a very long time for the just buying the S and P. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't, that's not super, not surprising. Um, I think it's more like the question is more like why wouldn't they just hold Berkshire stock? Yeah, and I mean, you could definitely infer from that that he he maybe has less confidence in uh, his his uh, the people succeeding him than himself in mm. in outperforming the market. Um, but I think that's just been his broad view on on uh, stock been. markets for for a long time is that most people won't outperform. So yeah. you know, when push comes to shove, most of the time you probably prefer an index fund versus yeah. trusting someone else to to try and beat the market. And even I should say, even over the last couple of years, he's he has just straight out said, "Oh, I've." He's almost been accused, like, "Why shouldn't people hold?" He's like, "Oh, I've never, never told anyone that they should hold Berkshire stock." Yeah. So that's kind of his like rhetoric. He's like, "Oh, I've never told anyone that they should hold Berkshire stock." No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I say they should own the S and P five hundred. So I think that's kind of that's kind of the the vibe that he's going with. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All sure. right. Cool. That's it. Thanks, Hamish. Well that's done. It. Yep. Another podcast under the belt. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? You feeling good? Yeah, doing good. You feeling yeah. ready to do another eight hours of work today? Oh, I'm, I'm ready to do eight hours of editing. Can't wait. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and that is our life. Everyone's everyone's always like, oh, being a YouTuber, you guys must have such a cool life. Oh, yeah. Friendly. Yeah, on the treadmill. <laughs> on the treadmill. <laughs> we are on. We are, that's literally us. Yeah, yeah. Go and watch someone running on a treadmill and just imagine that the treadmill never stops. That's us. <laughs> Anyway, that's a bit grim. No, we do like what we do, but it does get a little bit treadmillish sometimes. (laughs) Oh, dear. Anyway, that's enough for today. Thanks, guys, for watching. Thanks, Hamish, uh, for joining me as always. Thank you for Seeking Alphas. uh, Thank you to Seeking Alpha for sponsoring. um, And we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.